0: Remember that project that you worked so hard on, only to get it back from your teacher with a number or a letter grade that told you nothing about why you made a C. This week on the Pedagogy Toolkit, we're gonna to take a look at grading and how we can use rubrics to streamline and improve our feedback process for students. So James. Yes, Emily. Uh, when your Wi-Fi goes down at home, what do you, what's the first thing you do?
1: Uh, power cycle.
0: Does that always work?
1: Well, no, but it's always my first step.
0: It's, yeah, that's usually my first step, too, is to just restart everything. Yes. Turn everything off, turn everything back on again. Right. Um, and yeah, that usually gets you something, but um, what about when it doesn't?
1: Uh, when it doesn't, then I end up having to deal with my my cable internet provider, which is not Top of my list of things to do ever.
0: No. And sometimes it's not even them. True. And then I'm really mad because now I'm angry at them and they can't even fix it. Like I'm angry. I'm angry at the Wi Fi. I'm angry at my computer. I'm angry at all the things. But it's this my internet's either working or it's not
1: working. Right.
0: And if it is working, then great. If it's not working, I have. M- I have a limited number of choices of what could be going wrong, but I may spend an hour and a half troubleshooting on my computer, like I did several weeks ago, <laughs> going <laughs> over restarting things, relogging into things.
1: Um, but I remember this, and that wasn't Wi-Fi. That that was, was not
0: wi- Wi-Fi. That was yeah. something else. But similarly, <laughs> yeah. similarly, yeah, similarly, when we're doing, it's working or it's not working, right. But there's a whole spectrum of things behind that. You may end up wasting so much of your attention on something that isn't doing it if you're not getting the proper feedback. Right. There's a million ways it can go wrong. And I thought that sort of is a, is a nice analogy for where rubrics can be really helpful with grading. Uh, when we grade our students' work, when students get their grades back, it has this number on it right. or this letter on it. What does it mean? <laughs> Why is that?
1: And we have probably all had those classes with instructors that put a letter on there, and that's all that's on there. There's yeah. just the letter or the number and no explanation of what that might mean.
0: Or try harder. That was my favorite <laughs> one. Try harder.
1: And you can get, as a teacher, carried away writing really long explanations on the, on the other side. Yeah. Part, you got those teachers that just put the C on there and hand it back to you. And you're left wondering, should you have a conference? Should you just take it and move should on? <laughs> should I just give up? Should uh, I just give up? But then there's, on the, on the instructor's side, you know, I felt, I have felt in the past, before I discovered rubrics, that I was spending a lot of time writing a, a narrative that no one was going to read, in part to just justify the grade that I put on it, you know, so that you wouldn't be just handing them a grade with no context. But in that case, the, this this turned grading into a really lengthy process, and most of that length was unnecessary.
0: And if you're like me, uh, it became something you didn't want to do, and so it it you just kept putting it off and putting it off until I couldn't put it off anymore because that's not pedagogically sound for my students. That's right. And it's not good for my mental health.
1: And that's probably why I'm in instructional design instead of <laughs> teaching. <laughs>
0: I. It, there's something about, uh, yeah, like knowing you're going to be writing, giving all this feedback and all this good input. Mm-hmm. Are they even going to
1: read it? Yeah, I think the answer to that is probably not.
0: Is oft, often no. Yeah. Um. And how clear is what we're telling them? Right. And it can be
1: overwhelming on their end too, right?
0: Absolutely. So I started looking at why we even grade in the first place. I have a family member who is a professor, and he has always been... Adamantly against grades. Sure. He hates grades. And he he's like, I do them because I have to, but hates it.
1: I get that. I do too. Uh, if, we, if we go back to Plato's Academy, right. where this all starts, right? Higher education. Yeah. There were no grades. And uh, there's a there's a lot
0: of research that intrinsic motivation is so much more powerful in learning than the extrinsic motivation of getting grades and, and things like that. Right, But really, it all started as a sort of a need to to rank students as a comparison. Students were compared to each other. That that was easier when there was a limited number of seats at college. There was a limited number of seats in in any schooling.
1: Gotcha.
0: They had to be able to weed out. It was all about winnowing out who didn't get to go to school.
1: Ah, a gatekeeping function. It
0: was a gatekeeping function, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then it became sort of... It became less about how somebody compared to their peers and more about how their own learning path. Gotcha. And it provided some standardization, too, so that there was also when people became more mobile in the U.S. and they're moving around a lot, they schools needed to be able to know where to slot a student yeah. in, not just by age, but where where are they in their learning. So eventually that system sort of changes into a way to also give feedback to students. It's, it, it ends up being a way to evaluate after the fact. It's not a way to continue pushing learning forward. It's a it's a rear view a post, mirror.
1: A postmortem, it is if a, you will. It is,
0: it is a postmortem of what you have learned. Right. Um, and I think in our modern approach to education, we're a little more attuned to to looking at things during like in the moment. Sure. How do we push that growth as we're going?
1: Right. We'd like to be future focused here, right? The whole idea of higher education in the modern world is to prepare for the future.
0: It's less about evaluating whether somebody is worthy, <laughs> <laughs> which is I mean, which is essentially what that ends up being, like did you learn it? Are you worth getting this grade? Or is it where are you in the learning process and how do we carry you forward?
1: So so many layers, so, so much onion we could so unpeel onion. here. I feel like
0: there have been a lot of ways that we've traditionally gone about grading too. We're all familiar with the hundred point scale, yes. And I imagine we all have opinions on the hundred point <laughs> scale.
1: <laughs> well, not being a, very strong at math, it's it's friendly to me in that regard. I do I do at least understand percentages, like <laughs> Decimal. <laughs> yeah, just
0: decimal focus,
1: yeah. Is, I, on the other hand, I have a harder time if we're taking it out of other, um, you know, if we're doing point based sure. stuff. If the whole course is worth 600 points, I have a hard time figuring out. What this five-point <laughs> yeah.
0: assignment. Is that
1: good? Yeah, right. <laughs> Am I okay? <laughs> yeah, see, I don't know.
0: We also are all familiar with the bell curve. Yeah. That it's that middle 50% that is the real... Um, the average sure. is there in the middle at the top of that curve, and and you have your outliers. At some point, this 100-point scale, instead of 50% being the average, the top of the bell curve, right? it became the bottom, <laughs> and 75 became the top of the bell curve. So everything sort of shifts uh, to being really heavily weighted towards failure. Got you. You've got 59
1: chances to screw up. I always did wonder why it start at 60. Come on.
0: 41 <laughs> chances to get it right.
1: Because if you're helping someone with something and you say you're halfway there, that's, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you Well, know.
0: and that's even in secondary. In higher ed, you have 69 <laughs> times to get it wrong and then 70 to 100 times to get it right. Right. That has, that's been plaguing... Education, for as long as anybody figured that out, I know it was. It, there have been a lot of ways that people have looked at trying to fix that, where you give everything a fifty instead of a zero. If they gave any attempt at all, it's a fifty. Sure. Um, and that's a whole other bag of hammers. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that. That opens up a completely <laughs> other set of problems, and and the the ethical. Uh, battle that goes on in the heads of teachers when they are told they need to put a 50 for something that a student barely touched or didn't touch is it is it, it, it the rage is <laughs> sort of impressive. I've
1: never, I've never been in that one, um, Ooh. but I, I do remember when I was teaching English, um, having. Well, because I assume other people are math challenged like me, or I think some of some subset of them are, I would like bring it up on a spreadsheet and say, "Now look, here's the grades, and here's what your grade would be if you turned everything in and got full credits. This is the best case scenario. And here's what it looks like if you just don't turn in paper number three. Just plug a zero in there, and then watch how it falls through the floor and gasps (laughs) around the room. I'm like, so turn in something." I mean that's what I would say. I can't grade nothing. If I, you give me nothing, you get a 0. The
0: number of times I have said I can't grade nothing. Yeah, turn in something.
1: I mean cuz I'm, you know, I may give you I and mean, I wouldn't probably give you 50 for effort, but I might give you 20 for effort and 20 might be, you know, enough. The difference. And of course, I was grading on a rubric, which we'll get into a little bit later. So I mean that would be a legit 20 cuz like, you know, putting your name on it, you know, might be a point in right. my rubric. So the places
0: where those were where the the percentage the numbers and the 100-point scale and those things do make a little more sense is when you have content that you are evaluating on a more binary scale. Student gets it right, student gets it wrong. And we talked a little bit about this in the um, alternative assessment podcast, that when you're dealing with things on a spectrum, you need to be able to, to evaluate and give feedback on that same spectrum. It's all on a continuum. A rubric can show you what those things might look like at very basic brand new person learning something all the way to master, expert, world class and all the various stages in between. And then a student, you can slot a student into those.
1: Spots. Do we need to define for people what a rubric is? Do we, does everybody know what we're talking about if we talk about rubrics?
0: Why don't we talk about our experience, talk about what a rubric is and our experience with those rubrics.
1: Okay. So, so I think of rubrics as a grid, as a spreadsheet, basically. Um, we're going to have criteria, probably multiple criteria going down the spreadsheet. Those will be the categories of things that we're evaluating. And then going across the spreadsheet, we're going to have the levels um, of achievement of those criteria. So and that could be it could be you can have multiple things in each direction, right? We'll talk in a minute about maybe why you don't want to go crazy, especially at first. Uh, The the out-of-the-box one in Ultra and in Google Classroom, I think, is a five-by-five grid. It has five criteria going down the page and five levels going across. I personally find that a little overwhelming. But before I jump into that, like, and then what you're doing essentially is instead of each one of those um, levels of performance going across the page as a, a point range, you know, and and then you're essentially just dropping them in, dropping them into that range, you know, on each of those criteria. Saying, well, was the so for example, if it's a paper, part of it's going to be formatting, right? You know, maybe they maybe they have to follow some style guide, APA or MLA or something. And you say, did they follow the style guide? And maybe the top of that range, maybe that's a five point. Uh, item and the top of the range gets five points, and you're going to say they did a a, a good to very good job of that. They get five points, and then we say they did an okay job of that. So the middle the middle rung, if we do three instead of five, the middle rung is going to be you know some some other some other range, something between zero and and four or whatever, right? And then the bottom of the range is going to be like either zero or one or something like that, which is just. You know, it wasn't much of an effort. And we would ideally have little descriptors of what each of those things look like so that people know what they're up against.
0: Yeah, so we're breaking the assignment down into sort of two directions. Breaking yeah. it down first into what is it that we're even evaluating. Mm-hmm. Those are the rows.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Those are the the pieces that you were just talking about. And then where do they fall on mastery or accomplishment? accomplishment. I like that. I like accomplishment is a good one. Yeah. Um, it's that.
1: So yeah. immediately, instead of just throwing, say a C is a seventy in your class, right? Instead of or seventy five. So instead of just that big one big letter, that one big number, now we've we've got you know probably three, you know, um, and maybe five, maybe more um, little areas that are giving them some feedback, so they know. Maybe they did a great job on all the formatting, but their argument wasn't good. Maybe the argument was good, but the sources were lacking. You know, we could ha- we could imagine each one of those little rows as a different thing that's important um, per the instructor or the program or whatever for for the quality of that. Well,
0: and sort of going back to our our modem example, <laughs> our Wi-Fi is down yeah, can example. Can you drag this back in? Yes, I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Do it. I'm going to drag it back in. Going back to that, it's um, it's telling the students where they need to focus their attention so that they're not spending an hour and a half starting and restarting their computer over and over again when the problem is that you know somebody ran into a telephone pole down the street and there's no internet in the neighborhood. It's There you go. It, it, that allows them to actually know where their focus is. And it gives them – it shows them both what they are not – sort of where they have come and shows them where they can go right in that rubric.
1: Right. It helps it gives them a roadmap for the next time, right? And right. I, I remember the first time I ever used rubrics and it was a long time ago when I was teaching a face-to-face class, but they turned their stuff in electronically, right? So I took that and turned it into a PDF and I had this excel rubric I had made and then I would just embed that or attach it at the end you know basically and it had a lot of a lot of steps a lot of those things going down the page I' had gotten very granular about it on that um, <clears throat> but the nice thing one of my students the uh, feedback I got from him on it he goes you know I really like he pointed to it on his paper he goes I really like this and you know why I'm like why is that and he goes because I know exactly what to do next time he goes he said, I look at this I see I didn't put a page number on here it cost me a point it's not going to cost me a point next time.
0: In those moments, I've had a similar one where a student got really, this was a student that got really mad at me about his grade. Yeah. Why'd I get a C? And I was, <laughs> dude, I don't, you, you didn't do, you know, ex, I, well, actually the first thing I said was, did you look at the rubric I gave back to you? Right. And he said, well, no. So I said, okay. So we pulled up the rubric and I showed him, I said, you did you know, excellent here. Showed him where he had done really well on the And you did okay here, but you didn't even attempt this part. Right. And so you got no points for it. And he went, oh. There you go. Okay. I mean, argument over. There was no more. Yeah. And and because it was clear for both of us, I didn't have to stumble or explain or justify the grade. Yeah. Because that was the grade he got. Well,
1: and you know, when I started doing those, um, even back then when I was still... You know, I wouldn't wouldn't recommend you doing a rubric the way that I did them (laughs) back then, but they were still a step in the right direction because I found, and I left myself a little blurb at the end where I could write a little three-sentence paragraph or something to give them some feedback because I wanted to kind of emphasize, you know, the thing that I would do next time if I were them that would have the most bang for the buck, right? The pattern of error is what they taught us in school. Um, Look for the thing that you know. Say it's subject-verb agreement. If you have real trouble with that, then focus on that because you're going to greatly improve your writing next time around. But anyway, I still had a little spot for a paragraph, but I noticed it got very short. And on some, and on some, there was nothing to say other than like "good job" because it's all there in the rubric, you know. And in that scenario where they come up to you after the fact, it's easy to pull it back into your head because it's right there, and you can and you can look at it.
0: Um. So, I know you and I have talked before. Not we both used to be not rubric people.
1: That's right. We went from being not rubric people to being rubric people.
0: Uh what was the what what was your turning point? Why did you not like them and what was your turning point to I you to
1: know, like I it? don't I can't really recall what it was. I didn't like about them. Um I guess, you know, something I think there was the fear that it was going to take away my ability f- to add nuance. Yes. And and maybe my first rubrics probably did take that ability away because I didn't design them well because you kind of got to iterate here. Like what I ended up doing like on those since this was an English class and you had to make an argument, you had a thesis, you had to like make sense. I ended up having to leave myself, you know, a good chunk of points for did you make an effective argument? You know, uh, it was getting too granular you know, took that away, you know, because I could, I wouldn't want to give what I know is an A, what I know is a B paper an A because it ticked off a lot of boxes on technical things, right? I want to make sure there's some opportunity for nuance um, in giving that feedback and that, you know, sort of the box there at the bottom for that.
0: And vice versa. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I never liked when I would see that I felt what I felt like was the heart of whatever the project was, Mm -hmm. um, was done really, really well. And it was the, the less instrumental pieces right. that weren't, and so it brought their grade way down when because again, it was that I didn't know how to design a rubric well, right. Um, and I think for me, the turning point was I got really upset that I would have students that would do a wonderful, wonderful job on something. They would turn it in, but they would turn it in late, right. And I've set up this for every day late. Five points off, or you know, for every week late, a letter grade off. It was, it, which, yes, they need to learn punctuality, and they need to learn how to follow deadlines, and they need to do all those things, and it is important. But it, it feels so muddied when I'm handing a kid back a paper, or a student back a paper, um, or a project with a C on it or a D on it, when what they really did was excellent work. They just. The part they didn't do well on was the executive functioning piece. Yeah. And I started pulling that out of all of my project as a separate it has a whole separate rubric gotcha. for a lot of my
1: things. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, each thing is each thing you put in there is kind of a, it's a commitment, right? So you gotta, and it can take a while to line it out to where it's, it's aligned with your values <laughs> yeah. with what you really um, think of as important in the project. Uh, so leaving yourself room for discretion is important. But, you know, if you do too much of that, then you kind of lose the value of having a rubric. So um, it saved me so much time and let me focus on... Um, the future on things to do to improve that 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 was pretty quick convert to using them, especially when I started getting feedback from students where they seemed to get it more because they would read the rubric, they would look through that and see where they lost points and where they gained points, and uh, and they would read my brief comment, you know, more than. I knew they were when I was writing. On well, giving them running. the rubric ahead of time, too. Yeah, they they have a they have a target to aim
0: for. They know,
1: right? And the first time around, I wasn't smart enough to do that. But like they had it, and I used the same one the whole term. So yeah. like like they had it once they got the first one back. But yeah, the smart thing to do is to give it to them from the jump. Right? Here's what's expected of you. And you know, I think if there's a thing I see a lot in online classes when I'm working on them, it's um, not enough granular detail in what's expected on an assignment, right? There's yeah. a lot of two sentence like, hey, do this kind of thing, without without the level of detail that I would want as a student right. and that I certainly would want you to include it if I'm counseling you as an instructional designer.
0: It is so much more important in the online classes to have because you are not saying it over again. There isn't somebody in the moment asking the questions. There's not Right. You need to have that clarity. Yeah. Like I said, one of the things that I didn't like was that I would end up with students getting grades that I didn't think really reflected the quality of the product, uh, up and down, both, um, when I went straight by the rubric. and I realized at some point that uh, I was working with a team of teachers, and we were trying to develop rubrics for a, a project that were that was being done across multiple sections, and we had... I don't remember five uh, rows of things, and on a scale of one to five, right. you know, five being most excellent, one being barely tried, right. kind of thing.
1: Yeah, pretty typical five so, by five.
0: Yeah, so maximum number of points was twenty-five, but the way most um, instructors get their heads around a five-point rubric is that it's an ABCDF.
1: Right,
0: a one is an F, two is a D, C, right. Which is great when they get 5 out of 5 on everything. That's a 25 out of 25. That's 100. That's an A. Done. When they get 4s across the board, that's that's 20 out of 25. That's a B. A 4 is a B. Cool. The problem gets below that. Yeah. When they get a 3 across the board, what would theoretically be a C, straight down the middle. Right. That translates to 15 out of 25 which is a 60, right. which isn't even a C. It's a D minus. It's like you've completely lost a letter grade and a half, almost two letter grades worth of, of nuance in there, even using a rubric, because you haven't given, you know, what they see is, well, I got 15 out of 25. That's my, I got a 60. When in reality, they did, satisfactory what you've termed satisfactory because that's th- a three that's middle of the road right so learning how to build those rubrics so that you have um spans of points sure possible or so that so that you adjust, adjust what equals an A, what equals a B, what equals a C, right. when and you have to translate into those.
1: Right, and that just and the kind of the the quick and dirty way around is just not make the not make the bottom rung zero. Right, you know, make the bottom right. rung. And a nice thing in a lot of these a lot of the online tools now that are built into the learning management systems is you d- define a range. So say that lowest rung, whether it's three spot, three divisions or five divisions, is zero to ten. Right, um, you know, and it defaults to ten, right? But you can you can massage it, you know, right. anywhere within that range. So you're not you're not as stuck to it as as you might think, like when you first encountered the idea of using one. But yeah, you do have to be careful about those divisions because it's going to divide it you know, from zero. And if you want them, you know, if you wanted to follow something like what they're familiar with, then the lowest rung is going to have to be not just zero. It's going to be something.
0: And I think that is probably the biggest, like, newbie mistake that I see with people moving yeah. to rubrics is they just go, oh, well, it's X points out of X. It's percentages still. You're right. still functioning on that hundred point scale and you're still weighting it to failure and you're still not being especially clear with matching
1: the expectations with the results. So if you're an instructor and you wanted to get into the... Well, first, we should talk about what's good about them <clears throat> then. So we already talked a little bit about the feedback's yeah. more granular, right? The grading load can be a lot less. And the ability to explain your grade to a student if you have a, end up having a conversation about it.
0: And it, explaining that grade to yourself. Right. When I've gotten to the end of a project and gone, okay, so...
1: Right, I just graded fifty of these.
0: Oh. <laughs> I've just seen fifty. How brain dead am I right, right. now to start with?
1: The third um, student in the list wants to know why she got this grade. Right <laughs> do you
0: know, and it asks you to question what it is that you're even grading.
1: Right, really. There's, there's this uh, kind of bit of introspection on on. It's it's harder on you as an instructor to make these decisions and and fine tune this thing than it is to just. Throw a yeah, letter on it.
0: But it's asking you to um, front load your work by saying, what is it that I'm grading? What does it look like in all of its permutations that I'm going to be uh, evaluating? Right. And then, but then that part's done.
1: Yeah, true.
0: And so then when you start scoring these things that are not binary, it's right, it's wrong. Right. Things that are on a continuum that that do um, have flexibility and nuance within even even, you know, five that are at the very top of that rubric. There's going to be nuance and difference in how they're being um, executed. And so you will this allows you to kind of um, make those decisions quickly when you're grading. Absolutely. Because now you know what you're
1: even looking for. Okay, so if you're so if you if you've listened to this or you've already thought I might try this rubric thing and we already talked a little bit about how it'll take some fine-tuning, it probably won't be perfect the first time you do it. You'll probably like all teach all aspects of your teaching, you'll continue to fine-tune it as you go along. But say you take the plunge, you pick how how do you take the plunge? What how do you jump into doing this as an instructor, as a, who's never used a rubric before, once you understand the basic concept.
0: The first thing you're probably going to do is you're going to want it to define what are the outcomes. That you're even measuring,
1: I, th- I think. I think I would say maybe pick an assignment. It may maybe you only want to try it on like the the, the big final assignment right. or whatever in your class, um, and and then and then think like you were talking about very carefully about what does this look like done well, and you know what's really important, and how can we bracket those things into categories because you don't want to have like eighty things going down the no. page, right? Um, you know, f- three five.
0: But if you know if I'm giving a, a project as a final,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, f- a final piece of assessment for a class, and it's an English class, mm-hmm. maybe that final piece, uh, the things that I am looking for are: can they research? How is what does their research look like? Can they format to the MLA standard that we talked about? Can they form an argument? Can they proofread? What is there? Right. What is there? You know, grammar and syntax. That might be it. Th- those might be the main four things because that's what we worked on in the class the most. Right. That's what we built up to. Those are the four things I need to see. Yeah, and that might be.
1: That might make the case for trying it on one of those sorts of projects because you, you may have taught this before this class. You you sort of know what you're looking for. Those are the things that you're that are the core uh, skills that you're trying to help them achieve
0: so so yeah you're identifying what are the skills that you want the students to be demonstrating at the end of this then you start um identifying what the criteria is for that what is it what what's acceptable in that what's what's acceptable what's great yeah what needs
1: work what are the levels what are the levels i always you know i always you know it's easy exemplary is easy that's the full the full points just call it something friendly like you know excellent or or whatever exemplary and they get full credit but leave yourself a range right you know um it's it's not a auto, say it's 25 points it's not an automatic 25 it's it's between i don't know it's between some number less than 25 and 25 right <laughs> um, so that you can you have some nuance within to an ability to distinguish the the best work from the from the good really solid work right I was that awful teacher that never
0: gave hundreds. I hated giving hundreds. (laughs) I've given one single. I have been in education for 20 years. I have given one 100 on a paper. Wow.
1: Softer touch I've, I've given you.
0: 98s and 99s, but because I think there's room for growth always, cool. and that's why I like rubrics, <laughs> because I can show them where they can grow.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously, like we're talking kind of, I think we both have in mind, have in mind sort of squishy assignments where there's a lot of um, room for nuance, and, and, and we're talking about really high-level tasks, obviously on a, on a much more low-level task. But,
0: well no but that's that's I think why those are the assignments that rubrics are really good for. Yeah, good They're for the one. ones that are harder to grade. Yeah. It's harder to to grade something that's squishy. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to hold. It's hard to get to get to your get, mind around get it. your mind around it. Right. And that's why rubrics
1: help us put sort of walls around what we're yeah. what we're doing. For me they helped divide the squishy part. <laughs> the yeah. did you make your argument part. Did you Play sources off one another well. You know, the more the trickier things from the the parts that are more or less objective. Did you? You know, how's how's your grammar? Um, you know, did how, you how's use your a formatting? twelve
0: point font? Yeah, with did, a one inch did, margin. Did you make
1: the word <laughs> count? You know, um, yeah, uh, yeah th- those kinds of parts. That there's not any room to argue about. Well,
0: and those are the that's goes back that those are the binary ones. Those are the did you get it right? Did you not get it right? Right. And that's easy enough to we we know how to handle those. Yeah. And those kind of help,
1: too, I think, because, you know, you want to give some reward for effort. So those were an easy way. Let's say writing. Okay, I'm going to keep it into writing. Let's say writing is not your thing. You 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 never aspired to be an amazing writer. You just want to write well enough that you can be taken seriously in whatever is your profession.
0: You're able to. To take that assignment, and you can pull out that writing part, and you can teach those skills that go around it. You can teach the skill of argument. You can teach the skill of source evaluation. It allows you to pick out those pieces and give. It's credit where credit it's is. It's credit where credits do. That's exactly what it is. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, once you have – back back to our making a rubric. Once yeah. you've identified what skills you're you're wanting to evaluate, what the criteria is for that, you're defining what your scale is. We've talked about the numbers and making sure those are – look good. Then you're filling in your descriptions.
1: This is the hardest part. That
0: is the hardest part. What does it look like at each of these levels? Yeah. What is a very beginner, doesn't know anything about anything? Right. What does it look like when they do it? Versus what does it look like when the world-class expert does it?
1: This is probably the thing that keeps people from doing it, because this actually does take some some thought. And, and it's another one of those things that you fine-tune, because after you've graded a batch of this assignment, you might notice that you're like, ah, I didn't include a thing in my description that definitely needs to go in my description because... Now that I've graded one, I realize that is an important thing to me or that's an important thing to just the craft of it. And I didn't include it here. And you can't you don't have to be exhaustive, you know, but you you do want there are things that need to go in to those descriptions. Otherwise, you just instead of giving them one big C or 70, you're giving them five. Right. You're just giving them five numbers that don't mean anything. Right. You know, they, excellent. You know, that, I mean, if that you've got to give you got to give something, but you want to keep it. Well, you just two things. You want to try to get it right, and then you want to be open to um, adjusting it as you go.
0: Well, and testing it out before you do it. If you have the time and the, the resources, especially if it's an assignment that you have maybe given before, yeah. that's probably a good place to start with a rubric. It's an Absolutely. assignment that you have given before. You can create this rubric and then test it out on previously submitted assignments.
1: true. And you know what would be a great thing if you've got friends that are this good a friend if you've got a friend I don't know if I have friends field, that are that good I don't know if I do either I might have one um, he's your friend too <laughs> We might take it and give it to this friend and say hey here's the assignment here's my rubric will what? you grade this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by this rubric and give yeah. me some feedback on the rubric, (laughs) because that's what I'm trying to fine-tune here. It's
0: very meta. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is. I need a rubric for my rubric. Uh, That's right. (laughs) To to grade
1: the rubric. But no, I love your idea of actually testing it out. Test it out yourself, you know, and and definitely uh, try it on an assignment that you're already deeply familiar with, because, you know, after a while, you get to where you can line these out for all the assignments, you know. But it's that iterative process. It, It would be great if we could just nail it and it's done. But that's not really how life works. In teaching, for sure, you know you no. you're going to keep adjusting things if you care about your craft. Um, every time you do it, probably.
0: Well, we've talked too about about rubrics in terms of a grid, sort of something you could, you know, make with a table in Word.
1: Yeah,
0: um, there's a lot of other ways to do rubrics. Sure. And I'm a big fan of those. I bet you are. (laughs) I really do. I love... Well, first of all, there's a lot of tools on the internet that I will um, make sure we include in the show notes. Okay. Um, Rubric generators and uh, things that can help you make the templates and can build little starter um, descriptions for you. Oh, very nice. So if you already know that one of the things you need to work, you know, that you're going to include is is the thesis statement of the paper, there will be five descriptions of thesis statement at its various
1: lovely <laughs> that's lovely
0: and you can adjust those they're completely customizable they and they're free yeah. so they're they're a great place to start too
1: i'll make a quick note to say every learning management system i've ever used blackboard the new version ultra um, google classroom canvas canvas all of them have a group a rubric tool built in where you can build it right in there and reuse it because like what matters uh, What matters in writing probably matters in all writing, right? At least part of it. So you can, reusing rubrics is a good thing, Um, you know, as long as they fit the assignment. But a lot of times they do. Uh, You don't necessarily have a, I think when I first started, I thought you got to have one to one. I got to have a rubric. Every assignment has a rubric. That's not necessarily the case. It's like if I, if you got to turn in three papers, you know, three research papers, it's the same rubric for those three things, right? Right.
0: Well, and and keeping track of uh, when you're evaluating that same skill over and over again in different right. assignments, that's uh, some of those Rubric generators too. Will will hold on to your existing. Oops. You can have little accounts on it. Oh, I haven't used these. These and they're Sorry. great. Um, and that way, you know, next time I might not be. I might be doing a presentation again. This time the presentation isn't about isn't an argument. It's just a, a research presentation. So I don't need the argument part from this one, but I still want the presentation skills part and yeah. the you know those yeah being able to reuse the pieces because those are because you've broken it into the skills that you're grading
1: right. And like on that paper thing, if if you know, there's certain things that every paper has to have, whether it's an argument paper or a or a right. research paper or whatever. You're still going to want them to follow the style guide or whatever. You're still going to want them to communicate and you know. English of a certain level.
0: Exactly. And then the ones but the ones that I was thinking about that I really, really like are visual Mm -hmm. rubrics. I love them because I think they they can give a whole different depending on what you're you're teaching and what you're evaluating, they can give the students a whole different uh way to approach what you're asking of them. And the the ones that I've used it in mostly almost every class. Will have a participation grade,
1: sure,
0: I feel like like tons of especially um especially underclassmen those classes, so yes. your one thousand your two thousand yeah, yeah. level classes they often have that participation yeah. grade built in. I would see kids that thought students I would see students that thought I didn't I was in class every day and I listened to you right What more did you want from me? so I started building a rubric and it has. Pictures and <laughs> it has descriptions that are um, more visual in nature. So it's not just did you show up? Did you write five sentences in your in your journal? Did you those students who, who aren't going to speak up in class, who aren't going to speak up a lot on the the discussion boards? Right. How do I know that they are, however, mentally engaged yeah. with what's happening? Sure. So asking them to think about the ways that they can. Transmit <laughs> the way that they can 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 let me know that they are paying attention, they are listening, they are engaged in this. They might just be engaged in a different way. Those visual rubrics, I think, can they can also really help when you've got students who, when you're dealing with um, accessibility issues as well, sure. and students who just need a different a different explanation, a different approach. Um, giving students examples of previous assignments where you have used the rubric so that they can see what that looks like. Uh, when you have time, when you're prepping them for the assignment, letting them grade a sample assignment with the rubric That's so that they see how to apply it, and it helps them learn how to apply it to their own work. Um, there's a lot of ways to use the rubrics that... That aren't just a straight, you know, put a checkbox in the in the in the box and move along.
1: Baby steps into rubrics. If you're new to it, don't. I mean, this can be overwhelming, uh, especially the description part. But yeah, if, uh, it's 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 worth doing. It's worth doing for you and for your students because ultimately, you know, it benefits you both. This, this to me is a a real win-win um, technique. Uh, you get. A shorter grading session, <laughs> the students get better, more targeted feedback and more future focused feedback because they can take this and run with it on the next assignment in your class that's similar to this one.
0: You know, so we will have uh, some of these resources that we've talked about in the show notes. Okay, uh, including a really nice one from MIT oh, yeah, that we love. The MIT one the, yeah, we have a great. We, We. MIT... Well, you found it. (laughs) Yeah. But MIT has some excellent resources to help you get started building rubrics and we will link to those. We'll link to some um, articles about grading in general and some of those rubric makers. Um, So, yeah, take a look at those and subscribe and stay tuned for more.